This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I am World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Chaplains have been part of the American Armed Forces since the days of the Revolution. Many are deployed with our troops today. In addition, each service, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps, has a chief chaplain. An LCMS minister, Rear Admiral Gregory N. Todd, was just named the 20th chaplain of the Marine Corps in a recent ceremony. LCMS director of the Ministry to the Armed Forces, Craig Mueller, attended the ceremony. Chaplain Mueller, a retired Navy captain, talks about Chaplain Todd's background, responsibilities, and the overall mission of the military chaplaincy in today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. Planned Parenthood launched a fierce attack on U.S. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh on Monday night, claiming that he would wreak havoc on abortion. With pro-abortion Justice Anthony Kennedy's retirement, Kavanaugh could swing the court to a conservative majority and be a deciding opinion on vital issues like abortion restrictions and Roe v. Wade. Kavanaugh has served on the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia for more than a decade, where he developed an extensive record of protecting religious liberty and enforcing restrictions on abortion. Pro-life leaders say they believe he'd do the same on the Supreme Court. Massachusetts legislators are moving to pass the Nasty Woman Act. Nasty stands for the Negating Archaic Statute Targeting Young Woman Act, which would repeal pre-Roe v. Wade abortion restrictions in the state amid concerns about the future of the Supreme Court ruling that legalized abortion following Justice Kennedy's retirement from the high court. The Freedom From Religion Foundation accused a Tennessee school of violating constitutional law by allowing prayer at its graduation ceremony, but the school will not budge. Christopher Line, legal fellow with the Freedom From Religion Foundation, wrote a letter to the Catoosa County School District at Ringgold High School should not have permitted public prayer at their May graduation ceremony, claiming that it was unconstitutional and that it alienated non-religious students. The school district responded, however, that the graduation ceremonies were and would continue to be planned by students, and therefore the involvement of prayer was legal. Episcopal bishops, priests, and lay delegates, who have been meeting in Austin, Texas since July the 5th, are discussing legislation that would make changes to the Book of Common Prayer aimed at stripping away some of the masculine descriptions of God in favor of what they call more expansive language. During the hours of debate during the weekend, delegates butted head over tradition, theology, and what it means to be welcoming. One argued that children of all genders should hear language that allows them to feel made in God's image. Another speaker, a delegate from an urban parish that serves poor families, says that the masculine nature of God is crucial for children growing up without a father. Six Mount Zion Baptist Church of Pittsburgh, a historic church founded in the late 1800s and located in one of the city's poorest communities, will be in a federal appellate court tomorrow, defending its right to choose its own religious leaders free from government interference. The small African-American congregation is facing a $2.6 million lawsuit from its former pastor. That pastor was fired after worship attendance plummeted and church expenses doubled under his leadership. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, 
I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at Chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. World Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is Craig Mueller, who happens to be the director of the Ministry to the Armed Forces. He is a retired Navy captain, and all of the uh, Lutheran Lutheran ministers are associated with the Armed Forces uh, report to him. And just recently, we had a wonderful, wonderful piece of news that had happened. A gentleman by the name of Gregory Todd has been promoted and has been named the chief chaplain for the Marine Corps, for the whole bloody Marine Corps. And Craig, you were at the installation for this. What What is the role of this? I mean, this, this, is, this is way up like in Joint Chiefs of Staff territory. Sure. No, I it's it's works for the uh, commandant directly. In fact, uh, Kip, before I took this position, that's where I retired out of. I was actually the deputy chaplain of the Marine Corps, and so my boss was what this position that Chaplain Greg Todd has just been promoted to from Captain O six to her Admiral Lower Half, which is one star. But part of the title is that he is now the chaplain of the Marine Corps, so he works for General Neller, who is the commandant. But he also still has the hat as being a Navy chaplain, so he's the deputy chief of chaplains for. For all Navy chaplains. So he works for who soon will be Chaplain Scott. Right now it's Chaplain Kibben, but they'll be turning over in a couple of weeks in D.C., and I'll be there for that change of command as well, or change of office, they call it, because chaplains can't command. <laughs> <laughs> but when you mentioned all the, the chaplains of the uh, the Marine Corps, it's, it's an important position because, as you mentioned, we're not the Joint Chiefs level, although the Commandant is now on the, one of the service chiefs. It, it, so the, his chaplain is Chaplain Todd. So he represents, there's about 243 chaplain, Navy chaplains who serve with the Marine Corps. So it's a pretty important position because they have to strategically place for the religious ministry teams to be present with the Marines wherever they go. Because as you know, they are small units, so they go everywhere. They ride on the amphibs, they'll, they'll deploy as battalions, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll call them special MAGTAFs, they will They'll deploy anywhere, and so one of Greg's jobs will be, as Chaplain Todd will be, to make sure that chaplains are covered with all the chaplains that work for him to make sure that the Marines and sailors serving with the Marines have religious ministry. And uh, the Marines are really are the pointy end of the spear. And I'm, I'm looking at uh, Chaplain Todd's uh, record right here. And uh, he has a number of uh, decorations for uh, for combat uh, roles. He served in Afghanistan. Uh, he served in uh, in Kuwait. He served in the uh, both of the Gulf Wars. 
uh, it's an incredible record here. Something about him that that I did not know that I found out was that he was the first Navy chaplain to arrive at the World Trade Center after the September 11th attacks. And he hosted a Coast Guard emergency response team. There are 30 chaplains working with the Coast Guard. And they ministered to both civilian and emergency crews at various locations, including right there at Ground Zero and at One Police Plaza. Yes, sir. Uh, Chaplain Todd, I'm sure if there's ever opportunity, the schedule's going to be pretty busy now, obviously, mm-hmm. as that. But uh, he was one of the, uh, well, the first one because he was stationed in New York that, uh, on Governor's Island, where, where his duty station was, serving with the Coast Guard. And so, obviously, he was one of the first responders as a chaplain to be there. And then, of course, we know, obviously, because of the travesty, uh, we needed a lot more chaplains with oh, all yeah. the how horrible that was. But, yeah, no, uh, Chaplain Todd has been in the thick of things. And it is a blessing for... Uh, for us is you know when they pick and select uh, a chief of chaplains for all the service branches it's a very arduous and and difficult process because there's only two a one star and a two star on active duty and then each has a one-star reserve chaplain as well. So of all the old sixes, he was selected by the board, which is composed of admirals um, that feel that his leadership and his professionalism uh, is the guy to be picked to to lead the chaplain corps into the future for the next six years. He'll serve as three years as deputy chaplain of the Marine Corps and then uh, move over to be the chief of Navy chaplains. And again, nothing's guaranteed, but that's normally how it works. He has to get nominated again by the president uh, to serve as the chief of Navy chaplains from this position. Uh, One thing that uh, some of our listeners who are not familiar with the military hierarchy perhaps do not know is that the Marine Corps is actually part of the Navy. Yes. They do not like to admit that, and they'll, they'll say that they're, they will say they're the men's department or whatever, however you want to take that. But, but yes, in fact, you know, them being a service chief isn't that old. You know, it took a while to get the uh, commandant as a service chief mm-hmm. to be equal to the chief of naval operations, but they are department of the Navy, which, for us, what that means specifically as chaplains is that they don't have their own chaplains, so they take them from the Navy, and they also don't have their medical. Right. So their doctors and corpsmen all come from the Navy, and then other specialties also come from the Navy, whatever they need for environmentalists or other kind of things that the uh, that the Marine Corps doesn't have on their own. So, yeah, we are one team, one fight, and uh, there's a lot of banter that goes back and forth, but I tell you, with my last 10 years of service, we're with the Marine Corps, and that was just a, a joy to serve them as well as the Navy. And and I think with Chaplain Todd being selected to be uh, the chaplain, uh, chief, well, chaplain of the Marine Corps with a one star, it's going to be a blessing to uh, all the chaplain corps because of his, again, as I mentioned earlier, his professionalism and leadership and just the way he deals with uh, and speaks truth to power with love and compassion and respects everybody. So in these tumultuous times that we face sometimes with uh, you know, just the uncivility, on of discussing anything these days he brings that calmness and that leadership to the table where we could talk about issues without getting too emotional but what is the right thing to do you know protect religious liberty deliver religious ministry to all personnel and to be provide care for all even those who aren't religious but they could also have access to a chaplain to to talk to in, in confidentiality, and, and he'll be a, a guy, a steady hand at the helm, as we'll say, uh, using nautical terms. <laughs> well, I noticed he also served uh, some time on the USS Ticonderoga, which is a, a cruiser. And uh, I remember, oh gosh, many years ago, I actually went out on a cruise with the USS Virginia. 
and uh, I remember sitting in the wardroom and found myself sitting next to the next to the uh, ship's chaplain, and that was the first time I realized that that chaplains actually went out on these cruises. Oh yes, absolutely. Yes, uh, Chaplain Todd has got the whole gamut from Coast Guard serving at surface on the ships, as you mentioned. He was on a cruiser. He was also. Uh, on an amphib, if I remember right, too, as well. And so he uh, has got plenty of experience in the sea services, which is important. And, of course, with, you've already mentioned his Marine Corps experience. But, yeah, no, that's the way we uh, we do it. You know, as uh, chaplains, you are where the crew is or the or the Marines are. you got to be walking with them, talking with them. Wherever they are, you got to be, whether it's at sea, deployed in austere conditions, uh, wherever they need religious support, we need to be there. And the armed forces are the Army, the Navy, uh, Air Force, and of course there's the Marine Corps and the Coast Guard, which function with the Navy is my understanding. Yeah, it's kind of unique. Now, with the Department of Homeland Security, uh, Coast Guard falls under them, but during wartime, they fall under Department of Defense, which is why they have uh, Navy chaplains. They basically have bought those billets because of the they want chaplains because they are part of the sea services. Oh, yeah. And so, as you know, they already do not just rescuing, as we see in the news, but the constant danger with drug interdictions and, you know, being a Coast Guard chaplain, I never had that experience. It was one of the things that I, I was kind of trying to do, but you know, there's limited billets uh, and opportunities for that. Mm-hmm. But those uh, brave men and women of the Coast Guard who are always putting their life on the line for others, you know, the rescuing and, and the law enforcement is just incredible. Well, I had a good friend of mine uh, who was a, a Coast Guardsman, and uh, during Vietnam, he was on uh, one of the fast boat patrols during in the Mekong Delta. That's something a lot of people don't know, is that those weren't just Navy patrols. A lot of the Coast Guards did that as well. Absolutely. And in fact, even during um, the Iraqi conflict or even Desert Storm, uh, the only ones that can do interdictions of other vessels was Coast Guard. So we always had Coast Guard on our Navy ships oh, that, would, that. That, that would lead the, uh, you know, if you're going to board another craft you need to because international waters they have the training and the the experience and they know what they're doing and and so they're definitely a big part of our one team one fight mentality and and so god bless the men and women of the coast guard sometimes they get forgotten unless there's a a tragedy or you're calling sos from your sinking vessel (laughs) and then you're glad they're there but but their their day-to-day routines of protecting our people you know it's it is amazing and that's one of the things we as the you know ministry of the armed forces do is cover all of those service branches to ensure that our personnel have good pastors who are chaplains but also if there's no chaplain available do what we can from our office because of that reason and i think that's why uh, you know, Chaplain Todd, with his selection, is a huge, uh, a big deal. It really is. It, but it, not just for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, you know, because they do rotate that. It, the last one was a Presbyterian USA senior chaplain. The other one was um, a, from a Bible group. I can't remember exactly the denomination. But the bottom line is what they are in charge of is to ensure that there's free exercise of religion for all people and to delivery of religious ministry to make sure they have the chaplain and their assistant where they need to be. Now, this is all Pentagon level, what we're talking about here. Each each service branch has its chief chaplain. Is that correct? That's absolutely right. So they, the, chief, the chiefs of chaplains work directly for whoever's in charge, Secretary of the Army or Secretary of the Navy or Secretary of the Air Force, but they work through the uh, the, the four-star who's on the service chiefs. And, and so that's how they, they go to the meetings and they always try to, again, speak when needed, you know, that there are religious things to consider and many policy decisions or whatever 
kind of meetings that they're having, it's important to take the chaplain along to bring that perspective of, of caring for all. You know, they may see things that a leader may not see just because they're so engaged in, you know, how do we want to do this mission and fight this mission where the chaplain can then say, well, hey, here's what the effect it's going to have on the family. Here's some of the religious uh, connotations of what you're about to do. Um, and here, you know, here's where we can bring chaplains with you to to bring, to use the term that they use pretty much, I think, in all the services now, to keep your troops spiritually fit. Spiritual fitness is kind of the term they use. And, and of course, that can be dangerous because everybody can put what they want with what does spiritual mean. But, of course, we know as Lutherans what Lutheran spirituality is. And I think, uh, well, I know I just uh, pulled the book off that uh, Professor Pless wrote on Lutheran spirituality. I I think it's a couple years old now, but I thought that was a pretty interesting book. And so we do understand what that means, There's what spirituality is. Well, I, I keep thinking, you know, back to my generation uh, during Vietnam, and we had that, that the horrible incident of the My Lai Massacre. This had to have been a failure of spiritual fitness. I mean, this was against morality over and above law. And I, I keep wondering if perhaps maybe we had been a little bit more active in the spiritual counseling of our troops over there. Something like this might have been avoided. Yeah, I mean, you never know from the what would have been. I guess we don't know what we don't know. But you know, that is a question that many leaders ask if there's a, a moral failing of some sort, like Abu Ghraib. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they said, well, where was the chaplain? There wasn't a chaplain. So... It is a big question to ask, you know, maybe, again, to speak truth to power. Again, you're not being an arrogant person, but sometimes you have, outside of it as a a chaplain, to shut the door and talk to the commander or the senior enlisted advisor, say, hey, look, uh, here's what I see this as. Here's some consequences you may not be thinking about, or here's what I hear among the troops without violating confidentiality. You can bring to the leadership of some things that are starting to go sideways on morality or or the morale of the troops. And that's where chaplains, again, it, it are vital, vital to the commander. Something else I think that needs to be brought out to the general public is that every chaplain within the military is actually trained in that particular branch. We're not just throwing a, a, a collar and giving him a uniform. I mean, you were a sailor. You were trained in the Navy. Uh, Army, the Army uh, chaplains are soldiers, first and foremost. Same thing with the Air Force. Absolutely. That's a very important point, Kip, because that's one of the biggest things that we talk about. You know, we joke with one another, but... Um, one of the BRAC decisions that Congress made was to put all the chaplain schools together at uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And after all these years, they're all going back to their own bases. Air Force is going back to Maxwell. Chap- uh, Navy this year will be going back to Newport, and the Army will stay at Fort Jackson because the cultures are so different. There isn't a lot of training you can do together because as chaplains, you already come with your theological training. Mm-hmm. So it's not like medical where your Air Force, Army, Marine, all of them can come together and learn how to do trauma or battlefield wounds or because that's a, a common thing. But for us, as you uh, aptly described, we're talking about a culture that we're working within, how you wear the uniform of a Marine versus an Army or Air Force. Uh, their writing style is different. Um, just how they handle different internal issues is different. So it's so critical for the chaplains to go to their unique chaplain school to teach them the culture of what it's like to serve. And of course, the Navy, as you mentioned, even with Chaplain Todd's experience, they probably have the 
most diverse just because we do have the Marine Corps, the Navy, the Coast Guard, and we even have one merchant marine billet. <laughs> so anything to do with the sea services, and as you know, those are all cultures within cultures. Oh, yeah. Because then you have your aviators and your surface warfare officers and your submariners. And, you know, and the Army has the same thing. You know, they have pilots and uh, special forces and, and the same thing with the Air Force. So they all have different niches uh, that you have to learn the culture. And, and you just have to. That's why I think it's important that our church has it under our mission, Office of International Mission, because it's like any uh, person goes into a different environment. If you go to Africa, uh, to a tribe, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't learn their dialect, mm. if you don't learn how to dress like they do, to learn their culture, to learn everything about them. It's the same thing if you're in the Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, or Army, or Coast Guard. If you don't speak their language or, or dress like they do or understand them, you're going to be marginalized immediately, and, and you're not going to be the person that they're going to approach. Well, I remember uh, some years ago, I spoke to a, a chaplain who had served with the uh, SEAL teams in, uh, in uh, Afghanistan. And, you know, these were the guys who did the really hard stuff. And I could see where this guy had, had been through the training and actually had the training over and above being, uh, over and above being a chaplain. He had been through SEAL. I think he'd been through SEAL training. Probably not the actual BUDS training, but maybe yeah. like SEER, where search and rescue and, yeah. and different things in flight school or jump school and things like that. A lot yeah. of our chaplains go through that. And he was he was at the forward base, the whole thing. He was there when, they, when the SEAL teams went out on their stanch, search and snatch or whatever missions. They did very, very dangerous missions. But I could see where, imagine, say, getting a chaplain who serves at the Reserve National Guard group. How different that would be. And, and I can see it vice versa. I mean, when the, 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 the guy with the National Guard group is going to be concerned uh, about more domestic issues, for example, with family issues, as opposed to the SEAL or the combat troop whose life is going to be on the line. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it all... What you're saying, Kip, is it, 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 the whole gamut, you know, whatever position you're in, a chaplain really does have to adapt and understand that they're so like, not to say that the SEAL te teams don't have families either, but what oh, you're yeah. saying is their focus is, you know, this is where the, to be with them, the chaplain has to be physically fit and to meet a certain criteria to be with them in combat. And then the other chaplains where we, that's why we kind of rotate and you, you change duty stations. And then after a three year tour, you'll be the guy or gal that'll be helping them in the back, you know, as they say, uh, moral support uh, for the families, why the other person is now forward. So it goes back and forth. But that that's definitely, again, it's just knowing your people, letting them know that uh, you're with them and you're trying. You don't have to run, win the win, the runs, you know, but if you're out there with them, that means a lot. Yeah. You know, you're not going to beat all those 18-year-old or 20-year-old, uh, you know, they're just machine some of them i mean they're just incredible <laughs> incredible athletes and just dedicated and so the chaplain is not to be that superhero and of course we're non-combatant too but to be there with them is so critical well as you said the chaplains are, are non-combatant yet there have been a lot of combat deaths among the chaplains. Oh, absolutely, because you're still in danger, especially nowadays with the asymmetrical wars. There really is no front line. So mm -hmm. IEDs, rockets, and same thing in Vietnam and all of our wars. I mean, we had, you know, we do chronologize or take care and keep lists of all the chaplains that were killed in combat. So absolutely, it's not a, a safe zone, but your mission isn't to go out and kick indoors, but it's to be with the, with the soldier, airman, marine, 
uh, who is doing that. So, yeah, it's definitely, I don't want to take it away that it's not dangerous, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> and you're not carrying a weapon either. <laughs> and the other side uh, usually doesn't recognize the Geneva Convention. No, absolutely not. I had one, when I was going through some training, one of them said, unless we go to war with England, you're not going to be treated with the Geneva <laughs> Convention again. So, yeah, there again, which is not a reason why we should be able to go that low either. And again, that's where the chaplains and the rule of law of war and all those things take into place. But, well, you know, I wrote uh, my master's thesis was on uh, news coverage of Vietnam. And uh, one of the big debates that went in among the press corps there was, uh, gee, should we dress like soldiers and blend in or should we wear loud clothing to show that we're non-combatants? And it was pointed out that the Viet Cong didn't really care about it one way or the other. Right. And uh, something else I found out in, the, in uh, my research was that uh, among the Correspondence Corps, as opposed to the troops that went through uh, Vietnam, it was twice as dangerous to be a correspondent in Vietnam. They had twice the casualty rate. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, a lot of people don't. But, you know, part of it was, you know, the nature of the job was they had to run where the gunfire was, and the thing was that they were not trained military. Sure. And so they weren't doing the right things. A lot of them, frankly, a lot of them did carry weapons. Uh, many of them didn't. And just the nature of what they were doing put them in harm's way and did things that perhaps a rational person or a soldier under combat would not do. Their jobs were different, right. but it was very, very dangerous. Absolutely. And, and I can see a lot of similarities between that and what you were pointing out about chaplains, because uh, depending on you know what you, if you're the unit chaplain, you want to be with your your troops on the front line. You know, is there if they're casualties and mm -hmm. at the same time. So that's the crit critical thing chaplains have to do is you don't want to be a liability to your unit because nobody wants the chaplain to be hurt on their their watch. They're going to be overprotective of you. So you don't want to limit their mission. So it's very important that chaplains are aware of that. But at the same time, when the casualties occur or some things happen, oh, where's the chaplain? You know, we need the chaplain uh, to to come here and, and provide comfort or uh, prayers or or just counsel or whatever the situation is. And for the time of the American Revolution up until the present, the chaplains have always marched with the troops. Absolutely. Craig, I want to thank you so much for putting some light on this and uh, letting us know the role of the, of the chaplaincy and how vital that role is to our men and women in service. Well, thank you, Kip. It's always an honor. I appreciate it. Anytime. Anytime. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.